Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. With the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of support expressed by the general public and by elected officials for first responders and people who are on the, the front lines of, of health care, nurses, doctors, support staff. But are we really giving local nurses everything they have needed to cope with this global pandemic. A lot of nurses, including those who are represented by SEIU, have been asking that question. Myra Taylor is a nurse at a local hospital. I think she would prefer that we not mention exactly which facility. Uh, Good morning, Myra. Good morning, Jason, and good morning to all of your listeners. Uh, Thank you you for taking some time to to talk with us this morning. Are you, uh, how long have you been a a nurse, I suppose, is my first question. I have been in healthcare 19 years. I have been a a critical care nurse for 13 years now. Okay. So so you are in the, are, are you in a, what they call a medical surgical unit, or have you been in the emergency room, or? Intensive care. Okay, intensive care. Um, Correct. So th- there, there was a lot, when the COVID-19 pandemic really came into people's minds in uh, early to mid-March, and when the lockdown started and the shutdowns started, there was a lot of sympathy and support expressed for healthcare workers in particular, because they've been dealing with the effects in, in many yes. cases right up front. The, the, the support was nice, I'm sure, but what was lacking in terms of equipment and in terms of actual real physical support for nurses? So we did receive great outpouring of support from the community. The community were our biggest supporters, and they really reached out When I would go to work, there were many shifts that we had received donations of lunch, cookies, even cards, things that people wanted to send us to make sure that we knew that we had their support. What we needed was leadership that also supported us. And by leadership, I mean at the state level and at the federal level, because we had to do things such as reuse equipment that is usually one-time use only. And we're reusing it not only from patient to patient, we were reusing it from day to day. So we really needed support from pieces that would have given us the things that we needed, such as PPE, masks, and things like that, so that we wouldn't have to continue to use this same equipment over and over again, because it wasn't intended to be used in that fashion, but because we did not have support. From the federal level especially, we ended up having to reuse things that before this, we would have been fired for doing. Yeah. Uh, Cookies are nice and and greeting cards are nice, but they're not protective equipment, right? So when you say protective equipment, we're talking face masks, gloves, face shields, goggles, that kind of things? Exactly. The things that we needed to take care of the patients without possibly bringing infection to them. 
There is a a nurse's plan for Pennsylvania's recovery, which uh, SEIU is supporting. On the line with us right now is Myra Taylor. She is a registered nurse. She works in an intensive care unit. She has been a nurse for 19 years. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what this this uh what what the essential issues are in the nurse plan for recovery, but you've had a couple of virtual town halls. Uh, tell me about yeah. those. Who all participated in the, the online town halls that you've had? So we always invite legislators that are currently in office. We also invited le- uh, people who are running for office. We invite nurses from schools, from hospitals, from nursing homes, from long-term care facilities, rehab. And then we also invite the community to also join in because all of our voices need to be heard and we need to make sure that everyone is aware of what is happening at the front line. And, and what was happening when uh, there were warnings, I guess, you know, circulating as early as December and January that this uh, novel coronavirus uh, was was becoming a real problem in Asia and in Europe. When did nurses start to be told and start to be warned that, hey, this is going to be a problem for our healthcare system? So part of the problem is that whenever it did become public that it was going to be a problem, science was not listened to. Science was not respected. And that is how we got so far behind. If we would have had leadership that would have taken science seriously instead of saying it's going to go away, then we wouldn't have got as bad as we did. So that's the first thing that we have to recognize, the fact that science is real and the fact that we need to do things proactively, not reactively. And that's what we're doing right now. Here we are a month later. We're in September and we're still reacting to the things that have happened because no action and no plan were made back when we first had the signs and the science that this was coming. Well, and we're seeing in, in many parts of the country, we're seeing the numbers are starting to go back up again on the same kind of trajectory that we first saw in, in many parts of the country back in March and April. At, 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 yes. at, at your facility, are, are you seeing an uptick in COVID-19 patients or is it staying more or less steady? It's staying steady. Okay, okay. It has been staying steady. We have, now we do have... Um, reusable equipment. The trouble is that most of the nurses are small in stature. So when we need a specific size, we're just not getting the sizes that we need. The reusable equipment is was made for, what's the word I want to use? The reusable equipment was originally manufactured for construction workers and people that sure. are in that field. So if you can imagine the size of a typical construction worker to the size of these petite women who are in <laughs> hospitals, we ran out of the sizes that we need, and just getting them manufactured was an issue because we were waiting and waiting, and here we are months later. We still have a lot of nurses who do not have the size that they need. So if you don't have what you need because no mandate was created to create the equipment, then we just have people who don't have what they need still in September. Uh, we're talking with when it comes to the PPE. We're, we're talking with Myra Taylor. Uh, she is a registered nurse, and, and you are a member of the SEIU, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the uh, nurses' reco- plan for recovery, nurses' plan for Pennsylvania's recovery. You can get more information about that, nursesofpa.org. It, it sounds to me, Myra, like y- you're not taking political sides. You're, you know, there, there's been a lot of criticism. Uh, leveled at the federal government for lack of leadership, but it sounds like there was failure on every level to prepare our frontline healthcare workers. Is that 
accurate or am I overstating it? For protections for Pennsylvanians, protections for not only the nurses who are there at the bedside, but for the patients who are in those beds, it is not a partisan situation. It is every one of us is a person and every one of us needs to be protected. It is the fact that the leadership was not there. And it is the fact that here we are months later in September and still we don't have the things that we still need. So we are looking at the issues and we're separating them from partisanship. When we call candidates, when we call the legislators, we're not looking at what side they're on. We're looking at the issues. Anyone that goes to our website, nursesofpennsylvania.org, can look to see where each candidate or legislator who's in office has been voting or their intent to vote on the issues, such as safe staffing, paid sick days, getting PPE to the people that need it. And that doesn't matter what side they're on. What we're trying to do is get people in office who are going to provide the protections that Pennsylvanians and Pennsylvania's first responders, long-term care providers, school nursing providers that we need. We're We're going to advocate for the patients, and we're advocating for people to represent Pennsylvanians who are going to take us seriously, that are going to give us a seat at the table, and they're going to put patients first. Well, we're talking with Myra Taylor. She's a registered nurse in a critical care unit, and she's a member of the SEIU. We're talking about, or we're going to be talking about, the nurse plan for Pennsylvania's recovery. You can find out more about that, nursesofpa.org. Myra, we have to take a 30-second break. When we talk back, I want to ask you a little bit about what you've seen on the front lines as a critical care nurse, because you mentioned a few minutes ago, science is real and we have to actually follow the science uh, since you've actually have have been there in the field working with patients who are suffering from COVID-19. I want to ask you about some of what you've seen, okay? Yes, thank you. Uh, Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 4 612-678-6191. Myra, you have been working on the front lines of this pandemic. When did your facility start to see the first COVID-19 patients? What sort of symptoms were they presenting with? Okay, so respiratory. Being in the intensive care unit, working alongside the nurses in the unit that was designated as the home for all of the patients who were going to be, who were positive or um, that we suspected were possibly positive. Um Most of the patients on the units that we covered were intubated patients. Some of the patients um, did not require intensive care. So those I didn't see because I cover intensive care patients. But just trying to help the families as well as the patients, making sure that we have the equipment that was necessary. Because a lot of times the equipment was difficult to obtain. In the past, when we had different... um, illnesses that people would need us to have this isolated equipment, it was readily available. Mm -hmm. Now it was not. 
Now we were sharing equipment that was supposed to be for one person only, and then we also had to keep equipment longer than the time that we were used to keeping equipment. We were trying to make all of it last as long as possible because it was not available. Every hospital and every facility has been scrambling to get more because there was no federal mandate to increase production, and the production levels that were currently in place did not cover the needs that we had as workers. So now, where we were used to using uh, this type of equipment every couple months, we were using it every day, and we were running short, and no one came up and protected the patients and protected us staff members by creating a mandate, such as the Federal Production Act, to make sure that we did not run out. We were running we only did not run out because we continued to reuse it instead of using it in the fashion that it was originally intended to be used. Families have been separated from loved ones. I went through the process of having a parent who uh, passed away this summer, but we were not, we were not able to go to his hospital visits with him because we were not allowed in. And I've talked to a number of people who've had family members either in the hospital for non-COVID-related procedures, right, or family members who are suffering from COVID-19 who... They can't visit because they can't get in. What's the emotional stress been uh, on healthcare workers and on families? This was difficult not only for the staff and the patients, but we did recognize that the families really needed to support the patients. And it was difficult because, of course, with this virus being so contagious, we needed to do things and put new policies in place that protected everybody because you can't tell by just looking at someone whether they are. So many people are actually asymptomatic. So we did try virtual visits and increasing phone calls between the patients and their families. And then the ones that were unable to talk and unable to communicate with their loved ones, trying to just do video visits for them to at least see the patient, which is very difficult for them because you want to see, touch, and be with your family member. So what we try to do is try to provide as much as is safely possible in terms of support to the patient, trying to make sure that we're communicating with them as clearly as possible, trying to make sure that we are there and that their needs are met. Of course, safe staffing is another piece of this because we came into this pandemic understaffed, so now, it's an illness, it's a disease that people are sicker than they've ever been before. So going into this pandemic, understaffed is also another hurdle that we're trying to go over because I'm sure you have seen on the news, not only in the best of facilities where we have the, the best technologies, but you have a lot of places where they just did not have adequate resources at all. They're chronically understaffed. Chronically, patients are waiting for interactions from the staff, such as getting their medications on time, such as getting out of bed to go into the bathroom without falling. But, you know, you have a lot of facilities where they're so understaffed that that's an issue. So not only did we go into this not having the PPP, PPE that we needed, but we also went into the pandemic as a state understaffed. So that really put another issue because then 
when your provide when your workers are becoming ill and your workers are also having to make decisions on how to safely take care of patients, now you are now you have all of the issues that we came into this pandemic with. And to this day, we have not fixed staffing. They actually have rolled back protections against mandatory overtime. And there are a lot of workers who are now not only working understaffed, working without the equipment that they need, but they're mandating in a lot of facilities because they just don't have staff. What does that mean, man- mandating? Can you explain that for folks who, who have not worked in, in health care or as a first responder? Yes. What does that mean? Okay, so I'll use, I have a, a cousin who's also a nurse. And one of the problems that she had was child care. So if you have child care arrangements for your shift, let's say you work seven to three, your child care arrangement is dependent on you getting off on time and getting home to now take care of your children, your family, your parent, whoever it is that you need to take care of. If they don't have the staff in the past, mandatory overtime was not allowed. That protection was rolled back. That was Act 102. So now that that has been rolled back, you can be mandated to stay because they're using that to fix and when, and when you say That's mandated, when you when you say mandated, explain to people what that means. You you can't refuse. You cannot leave legally. You cannot refuse. Your own situation does not matter because the needs of the facility that you work at are put before that. So you cannot legally leave. So this is not like if if you know your your boss in, in another kind of a job offers you, hey, would you like to pick up some overtime? And, and you can say, no, not really, I want to go home. If you're a registered nurse, Correct. you don't have that option. Correct. Okay. You must stay until someone comes in to relieve you, or you may be extended a shift. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to. I want to get back. I want to get back to these staffing levels where, where we have about ten minutes left. So I want to get back to that, but I want to ask you a little bit more about your experiences here. In dealing with this, you mentioned the contagion of this, and this is why the, the you mentioned the personal protective equipment has been so important. We're talking with Myra Taylor. She's a critical care nurse in Pennsylvania, and we're talking about the nurse plan for Pennsylvania's recovery. You can get a copy of that at nursesofpa.org. You mentioned the asymptomatic transfer, and I, and I think this is something that a lot of us, including me, have had a hard time understanding that you know, we're used to, oh, if, if you're sick, stay home is, is what they tell you for years, right? Oh, if you're sick, just stay home. But a lot of people are not coughing. They're not showing any symptoms of this, and yet they're carrying this virus anyways. It could be me. It could be you. It could be a lot of people. You, are, you as a registered nurse for almost 20 years, are used to wash your hands, follow proper infection protocols and so forth. But were you surprised at how easy this virus is to transmit? I was scared by how easy it is for this virus to be transmitted. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed that more of an emphasis wasn't made by our federal leadership to really get out that the thing that we need is to all stick together. We would not have gotten this bad if we would have stuck together, if everyone would have worn a mask, done proper hand hygiene and social distance. I was very disappointed by the fact that it was given as more an option and yeah. not as something that we need to do to protect each other. And the fact that taking care of each other is patriotic. Taking care of each other is what we need to do so that we can move away from this. I was with a woman 
in the elevator and we were social distance as far as possible in the elevator. And she told me, she's like, aren't you tired of wearing that mask? I said, I'm tired of everyone not coming together and us getting over this virus. I said, we need to all stick together. The whole point is if we don't stick together, we're not going to get it behind us. If we stick together, if we all mask, if we all do proper hand hygiene, if we're all social distancing and we all take it seriously, we can move forward much faster than what we're moving at now. Let me ask you a hard question, and, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but are you surprised that people want to open up the bars and restaurants? And are you surprised that so many of us want to go back to having high school football games, for instance? I believe that what we need to do is pay attention to why we're still in the situation we're in and the fact that we have not taken it more seriously and the fact that we have not been doing all we can to protect each other is why we're still in the situation we're in. If we would all mask and do the things that are recommended to be done, that would help get us beyond this point. And then we could move into a place where we don't have to do everything that we've been doing because we're now past it, but we're never going to get past it. Or not never. We're not going to get past it quickly if we don't do what we need to do. We have to take a thirty another thirty second break. When we come back, I want to ask you about this this staffing problem, which I know nurses have actually been talking about for years, and and why that's such an issue. And I also want to ask you to tell people a little bit about what the nurse plan for Pennsylvania's recovery is. Okay. Thank you. Myra Taylor is a registered nurse. She is a critical care nurse. She's a member of a coalition of nurses of Pennsylvania. You can find out more at nursesofpa.org. And we're talking about how the COVID nineteen pandemic has impacted. Pennsylvania's frontline healthcare workers. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. In the last few minutes we have left, then, what are some some things that, that working nurses like yourself would like to see to improve the, the working conditions for uh, healthcare workers in our local hospitals? So right now, directly related to the pandemic, we want to make sure that we have adequate PPE now and in the future. We also want to make sure that every worker, every essential worker has paid sick time. Mm-hmm. We need nurses to have a seat at the table where recovery plans are being made. We need workplace protection for nurses that advocate for the patients. Because a lot of nurses are not, like, I'm in the union, so I feel I have a lot of protection. But a lot of nurses are not. And they do not have the strength and they fear being public about what is going on. We need that. We need for people to have the health care they need, regardless of the money that they have. And we need to make sure that we're taking steps so that things never get this bad again. I, mean, I, I, sh- I should mention that um, that that al- although, as you mentioned, you are in the Service Employees International Union, um, you are working with both Republicans and Democrats, uh, according to what I read on the website, nursesofpa.org. So it is it is not political. In fact, I, th- I saw a quote from you, Myra, that said something like, uh, you, you didn't become a nurse thinking that you had to engage in politics. Are, are, you, are you somewhat surprised that, that you've had to take this path of, of being this outspoken? Yes. When I began in healthcare, my entire uh, thinking was, I'm going to become a nurse 
and I'm going to take care of people, and it's going to be great. <laughs> and while I have had a lot of satisfaction being a nurse, mm-hmm. I have been for the reality of the shortcomings that we need leadership to bring us greater protections. By protecting and standing by and acting on behalf of nurses, you are advocating for the patients. The patients are the people that need the protection. So the things that we're asking for, while they help us, is for the patients. I, I, I want to ask you, before I let you go here, and I'm going to hold you over for an extra minute or two, about the nurse report card, the Nurses of Pennsylvania and the Nurse Alliance of the Service Employees International Union surveyed more than 4,000 nurses in Pennsylvania about the state of health care. Ninety-five percent of respondents said they believe that health care is becoming more profit-driven than patient-driven. Eighty-five percent of nurses say they feel less able to affect decisions that impact the care that they provide. Nine out of ten nurses rated workplace safety, affordable access to quality care, safe patient limits legislation. That goes back to the staffing issue you were mentioning, Myra, as top priorities they hope that the state legislature will take action on. And twice as many working nurses, so by a two-to-one margin, working nurses rated response to the pandemic from both their workplace and elected leaders as worse than adequate. So, I mean, Myra, this is exactly what you're talking about. It sounds like you are not a lone voice when, you know, 95% of respondents believe that healthcare is becoming more profit-driven and uh, nurses by a two-to-one margin believe we, we did not have an adequate response to this pandemic. And the fact is in the, and the truth is in the fact that here we are in September still trying to get ahead of the pandemic and we're still having a lot of positive cases Recently, we have actually done an upspike, and we still are trying to get people to mask and do social distancing and to take science seriously. What What is in the nurse's plan for recovery? And in, in the final minute or so, t- tell us how people can, if, if they're listening to this and they're concerned too, how they can get involved, how they can help. Okay, so to get involved, you really need to know who is supporting the value of safe staffing, of making sure that we have proper equipment to make sure that Pennsylvania moves forward. You need to know where you're, where the people who are asking, Jason, you correct me if uh, I'm going to. Go ahead. What we need are people to pay attention to the people who are asking for their votes. We need you to take a look at the report card to see where those people stand. We want to, on the website, it does provide the information that gives you either where and how they have voted or their plan on how they're going to vote. We want to make sure that people are aware of the way that the legislators that we currently have in place, the way that they have voted. And we want to make sure that they're aware of anyone that's asking for their vote on either side. What do they plan on doing when they get there? Because so many have been in seat and have not taken care of us. And by us, I mean not only the nurses and the health care workers, I mean the people in those beds that we have been taking care of. We need to make sure that everyone is aware of the protection that we have had and that they have been rolled back, that right now hard-fought laws and protections that we had in place, such as 102 to prevent mandatory overtime, that was weakened. And there are many other protections that have been weakened, and there's no plan 
to re-strengthen our health care. We need to make sure that people are aware that when they cast their ballot, who they're doing it for, and we also want to make sure that they know where the candidates stand because this doesn't just impact us as healthcare workers. It impacts the people who are coming in for care. It impacts every Pennsylvanian who is trying to get care because we're trying our best. But we need to have leaders who are also going to take action to give us that best possible situation so that we can take care of the patients without having all these barriers. You can find the Nurse Plan for Pennsylvania's Recovery and the Nurse Candidate Report Card by going to nursesofpa.org. Myra Taylor has been our guest this morning. She is a critical care nurse in a local hospital here in Allegheny County. She has been a registered nurse for 19 years. Myra, thank you for taking a little bit of time to tell us about this and to talk to us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.